Jesus, thank you for the people here. Thank you for this opportunity and to help us all to learn from you today. In your name, amen. So, when should we pray? Why should we pray? Okay? So I'll be referencing a lot today the Bible. We believe that it is the word of God given to us. Okay? So, in the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verse 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So the part on that I want to hone in on is, but in every situation. When? Every situation. Like I said, you guys are quick. I like it. Okay? So, all the time, no matter what's going on. Okay? But why? Why do we pray to God? Okay? So praying is talking to God, but why do you talk to someone? You talk to them because they listen. 1 John 5, 14-15 says, This is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And we know that He hears us. Whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of Him. Because He listens to us. And He doesn't listen, but He will act from there. In the book of Psalms, 56-8, says, You keep track of all of my sorrows. You have collected all of my tears in, my, in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. God not only listens, but he is attentive to us. He cares for us and watches over us. And that is why we pray. That is why we talk to him, because he listens. And not only does he listen, but he answers prayer. And one of the craziest ways that I saw this happen while I was in Romania was when we were doing outreach one day on a little town on the coast of the Black Sea. And we had been planning to do street ministry that night and going out and evangelizing where we could. But it was pouring rain. And so... I folded my hands and bowed my head and prayed, God, please stop the rain. Nothing. But then somebody else in our group says, guys, why don't we pray together? Why don't we ask God as a community, as a group of students, as a group of people that are here to spread God's love? And so we pray together and chills. Because suddenly the rain has stopped. And we didn't realize it at first because it's still dripping off all of the tin roofs. But you know that hum and that whir and just kind of that... that background noise that the rain brings, that little pitter-patter on the concrete. It was gone. When we look up, there's nothing there. And all of us were just kind of freaking out. Like, okay, okay, this is legit. This is real. Okay, all right, okay. Um, so, oh, I lost my spot, guys. Okay, okay. So this is what the next thing I want to tie into here is the fact that God provides. Okay, we see this in Him providing a lack of rain so that we can get out there and go to Him. But God provides for not just himself, for not just ways to spread his message and his love, but he provides for us. Genesis twenty-two fourteen reads, Abraham named the place Yahweh Yireh, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Now, this passage in the Bible comes immediately after Abraham, who named the place that. Abraham had just been asked by God to sacrifice his own son. And just when Abraham was about to go through with it, God provided a ram to sacrifice instead. And so he named the place Yahweh Yireh. The Lord provides. God is a provider. And as I saw in Romania, just like with Abraham, when we place our lives in God's hands, he does not hesitate and he does not fail to provide for us. Um, so one of the um, examples of this when I was there was when we were on our cultural encounter. So the program was 11 weeks long. Eight weeks of that was lecture, and then there were three challenge weeks. One was a cultural encounter, one was a mission outreach week, and one was an outdoor challenge. So this cultural encounter meant that we were sent out with no food, no phones, no money, and nobody who could speak Romanian into a little Romanian village where no one would speak English. 
what could go wrong? And so we were completely dependent on God. We did not have a place to stay. We were going to go hungry if we didn't get anything. We didn't know if there would be clean water. But we went anyway. And this is reminiscent of in Luke 9, where Jesus sends out his disciples two by two with nothing with them. And so this was maybe the third week of our program where we were just plunged headfirst in, and we have to depend on God. Because if we don't, how are we going to eat? Where are we going to sleep? And on that first day, it was maybe 3, 3.30 in the afternoon, and we hadn't eaten since 8 in the morning. And we were very hungry. And we'd been pointed to one side of the town where there was a farm where we could maybe work for food. But there were these two men sitting on the side of the road, so I walked up to them, and with my little Romanian phrase book, asked, do you speak English or, or German? Lots of Germans on my team. They did come in handy. And one guy, in his broken English, goes, yes, I speak a little. I'm like, okay, sweet. And so then I kind of explained, like, oh, we're students. We want food. And so he's like, no, no. And then one of the other students comes up, and he's like, and, like, didn't hear what I'd said. And they're like, we're students from a Bible school. Like, if there's anything you do. And he kind of perks up. And he's like, five minutes. Goes into his house. We're waiting there. And he'd gone like this, like, five minutes. We, was he shooing us away or telling us to stay? We didn't know. Five minutes later, he pops back out, and he says, do you like eggs? I told him I loved eggs. Everyone in our group, that's our favorite food, actually, <laughs> eggs. And so we were invited in, and we were given clean water. And then we were given soup. This is called salad soup. It's a Romanian delicacy, cuisine going back hundreds of years, and there's little bits of egg in it. And we're like, wow, all right, we got it. Now, do we need to fill up on this? Do we need to plunge as much bread into our mouths as we can now because we don't know when we're going to get to eat again? And then he comes out with a giant saucepan of eggs and sausages and greens and mushrooms. Whoa, that's right. In Romania, soup is always just the first course. And these people are not wealthy. They're actually taking care of their grandson who's staying with them because the parents have left to go to Germany to work and send back money because if they stay, they wouldn't have enough to provide for their son. And so we have these eggs, and then they bring out coffee and cookies. And at this point, we're just feeling absolutely overwhelmed. Because when God provides, he doesn't just provide enough. He provides more than you need. Yeah. Amen. And so this man shows us around the little farm that he has just inside his courtyard of his house, the pigs, the field out back. I point to a plant and try to guess its name in Romanian. I tried. <laughs> And on our way out, what they do is they hand us a big old bag of another Romanian traditional dish, slanina. Now this means that it's made with raw onions and raw pig fat. So we have this hunk of pig fat and some raw onions, and we think, wow, we've got dinner. <laughs> so we weren't super excited about that. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Because God is so rich in glory and in blessings that he does not stop providing for us when we just have enough. So we've got this bag, and we're headed out, and we're directed to this one house where there's clean water in town. We're like, okay, we know we can fill up here in the future. Good. And we walk up there, and this guy did speak a little bit of English. Anyone else we talked to on the road had not. And we show him this bag of onions and fat. And he just laughs at us. like, Bread? No. He laughs again. Five minutes. Gets in his car, drives away. 
okay. And we're just sitting on his lawn, and he's already given us coffee. We're like, okay, sick, all right. He comes back with this giant loaf of bread, and we're like, wow. So apparently, fried bread, sautéed onions, fried slanina. That is the Romanian delicacy going back so long, back when the Turks were raiding the countryside hundreds and hundreds of years. And so at the place we stayed that night, fried it up, and it was actually really good. Who knew? And so now we know that God listens. He provides. He provides more than we need, but God gives without our asking. Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. Now to him is a, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So, him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. So that was the first challenge we culturally encountered. We're going to fast forward to the second one. This was our street outreach that was in that little town on the Black Sea. Okay. And we were at street ministry one night, and we'd paired up with some of the locals from the church there. And they were the, it was the youth group there, and they spoke some English, some of them better than others. And I was paired up with a couple guys who did not speak much English. And I was a little nervous because it, was be, it would be our job to walk out on the boardwalk there, try to find people, and then talk to them about Jesus, which I didn't really know how to do with that language barrier, and especially with these interpreters who didn't really know English. And so we all met up as a big group in the middle of the boardwalk, and we prayed, and just as me and these other guys are about to set out, these two teenage girls walk up to us, and they ask, are you guys speaking English? We, we heard you, and what, what are you guys doing here? So I didn't even have to look. You think I'd taken enough time to pray and say, God, I just really want someone who's English-speaking that I can connect with and show your love? No. No, I didn't take the time to do that. But God gave without my asking. And so... I was able to have a conversation with these girls for like two hours, explaining the gospel, explaining how loved they are, and how Jesus had came and died for them. And they were so hungry for it. Because what you need to understand is, in Romania, it is ruled by the Orthodox Church. To be Romanian is to be Orthodox. I was talking to one man, and I asked him about his religion, and he said, I, will, I am Orthodox, and I will never betray my religion. I will never betray my country. And that is such the national identity that Orthodoxy has in Romania. And so these girls, I ask them, and they say, oh, yeah, we're Orthodox. And so I ask, do you go to church? No, no, I've never been. Well, okay, let's talk about Jesus. Do you know who he is? No. And so then there's all these people who haven't heard, which is so confusing coming from America, where it's such a cultural thing. Everybody knows about Jesus. But these people that had never heard were hungry. And God had delivered them to me and used me in that way without my asking. And so I want to reiterate that God gives beyond our asking. You know the story of Jesus when he feeds 5,000 people. In John it says that the disciples came to Jesus and they say, Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? How do you feed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish? And so Jesus multiplies all the food and hands it out to everyone. And I want to hone in on a couple verses later, when the disciples are going out to get the leftovers. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. 12 baskets. And these aren't little baskets that you use for carrying your knitting supplies. These are probably used for carrying rocks, stones, fish. They are yay high. That is how much bread was left over, beyond our asking. 
We look in the Old Testament, in Malachi, chapter 3, 8 through 10. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. So I have grown up in the church environment, and that's meant that I've gone to a lot of youth events. And something that these really hip, really cool pastors will say when they're talking to the youth is, Jesus, he's God in a bod because it rhymes. And they think they're so funny. And it's such a great point in saying God, unlimited, creator of the universe, really did squish himself down into a little, frail human body. So much and so little. But we often don't just think of God as being so much and coming to be a servant and being so little and dying for us. We take this God, we don't think of him as being in a bod, we put him in a box. I have struggled with depression for so long and there is no deliverance. I just pray that God, will you get me through this next day? Why do you ask so little? God, bring healing to my family. I've seen so much hurt and brokenness. I want you to change who I am that I can be a light to them. I want you to change my mom and dad's hearts. I want you to change who we are and that we can pursue after you, that we will love one another as you love us. Not, get me through this day. Help me not to make someone angry. Take God out of this box because he is way too big to be contained inside of it. And the illustration that I have of this from my time in Romania is back at the cultural encounter because we were given envelopes, because we had no idea what we were doing. We just had envelopes that would direct us where to go and what to do. And this meant handing out New Testaments in Romanian. This meant just learning Romanian culture, songs and dances and whatnot, if we could. And it also meant that we had to play a game. Have you guys heard of the game Bigger or Better? For those of you who haven't, how it works is you start off with something small, inconsequential, say a paperclip. And it's your job to go door to door in a neighborhood or two and say, hey, I have this paperclip. Do you have anything bigger or better that you'd like to trade? And so in our group, we were given a pencil. And it was our job to find someone to trade with and get something either more valuable or more useful. And we had been divided into two teams of students, and whichever team got the biggest or best thing by the end would get a bunch of points for this competition. Turns out the only reward for winning was chocolate, which probably wasn't worth it, but that's okay. It's cool. And so we were invited into this German man's house when we were out there. And so the Germans were able to talk with him, which was great for them. And I kind of sat there and was like, all right, what's going on? But we've talked to him for a couple hours already, and he talks about how we'll make bread with him and we'll have dinner together. And we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, great. Oh, we have this pencil. Oh, okay. One of our envelopes said that we need to get up early the next day in order to get to the train station in time because we don't know when the trains leave, because we don't have phones, and we need to get to another city, and we don't know when the trains are leaving. We need an alarm clock to get up in time. We have this pencil. Maybe we can trade for that. Maybe we can trade a pencil for an alarm clock. And so Tom and Yo-Yo, the Germans in that group, they ask Johannes, the men we're staying with, and 
It's like, yeah, I, I, I understand the game. You know, normally I would wait till my dogs die, but there's nothing holding me here. Do you want my house? Wait. <laughs> Hold up. Okay, we thought he was joking, okay? Because that's funny. It's a pencil for a house. But he brings it up five or six or seven more times throughout the evening. We're eating dinner. Do you want my house? Okay, we're getting ready to leave. Do you want my house? We don't want your house, man. None of us live in Romania. Okay? Amen. So when you have a pencil and you ask for an alarm clock, God's going to give you a house. Amen. So God listens. God provides. God acts. God provides beyond what we could even ask for. He provides without our asking. So we know that God is there for us. But what does that mean for us? It means that we need to listen. We need to listen for guidance. And this is the verse that I want us to hone in on today. is Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. I did not know what to do this last year. I was lost, and I was angry. And then Romania just kind of appeared out of nowhere. And I said, okay, I don't have a plan. We'll go with what you've presented to me, God. I assume this is you. It is Bible school, after all. But our own plans for our lives don't compare to God's plans and how much he will use us and push us forward. And my plan for my life, I didn't have one. I go to Romania, and I learn all about this ministry and get to do so much experience in it and do street preaching. I get to preach at a church over there. And then I get an email from CTK Ferno. We want you to preach when you get back. I get a job offer. Now it's my job to call pastors all over the country and talk to them about their ministry. And I didn't plan any of this. I didn't have a plan. But God's plan is so much bigger and greater than ours. When I want an alarm clock, he will give me a house. So our own plans for our lives don't compare to God's plans. Psalm 25, 4 through 5. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Show me your ways. Guide me in your truth. Teach me. Cultural encounter. When we met that man who invited us in for the eggs, we had been walking for hours. And we were starving, and we were thirsty and tired. And no one we met had spoken anything that we could speak, except for one random guy who could speak some Spanish. And I was like, yes, I took Spanish in high school. But that was it. And we're so hungry, and we're walking towards this farm that we think maybe we can work at, if just for a little while, to get some food. And then Miriam, in our group, she's British, she says, guys, what if we just stop to pray? And I'm like, wow, didn't think of that before. And so when we did that, when we got in our little circle and we said, God, we're pretty helpless right now. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where to go, but I am trusting that you know the path and you will take me there. I will trust you and it will be okay. And so immediately after that, that's when Miriam points to these two guys on the side of the street and tells me to go talk to them. And I say, why me? But I go up and instantly... Do you like eggs? Yes. 
as soon as we prayed, then we were provided for. We need to listen to God. We need to listen when he says he'll provide for us and not just go about our lives tracking what's just right in front of us. I need to figure this out on my own. I need to go to a farm for, for food. That, that'll work. And when we found that man who took us in and offered us his house, Johannes, it had been pouring rain the second day. and We were wet and cold and miserable. And anyone we talked to, and some of them could speak German, and they'd still turned us away, even though we could have communicated with them. And they just asked, why are you out in the rain? We're like, well, we're trying to find food. Well, why are you out in the rain to do it? Super helpful. And all of us are getting just angry, tired, cold, wet. And then Miriam's like, oh, hey, guys, what if we prayed? Wow, wow, what an idea. So we do that, go to this house, okay? The guy comes over, and he's like, three casa, so three houses down. We're like, okay. Go there, ring the doorbell. Guy comes out, speaks a little bit of German, and he points to another house and says, go there. So as soon as we prayed, we weren't provided for immediately, but we were put on that path to get exactly where we needed to go. Come on. Don't die on me. Okay, there we go. And so we need to listen to God for that guidance, for where we go. And this was illustrated very well in my life because we'd always take time in the morning to spend time with God. And by we, I mean everybody but me. Okay, because I'd rather sleep, all right? You know how it is. And then I started waking up at 6.30 in the morning every day with massive cramps in my legs. And when I went down, and when I got up, when that happened, and then I went and read my Bible, and then went back to bed for a little while afterwards, I was so much more rested than I had been when I hadn't been spending that time. I had so much more peace. And sometimes God's just going to poke us and say, Hey, hey, listen to me. I'm talking to you. I'll wake you up in the early morning with some cramps just to get a word in. And that's absolutely for the best. We need to listen to God for guidance. We need to listen to God for truth. And that means that we need to learn how to listen to God's voice and not to others' voices. Okay, one night in one of our lectures, we had a session on lies and truth. And so expelling what are the lies we believe about ourselves. My lie is that I'm not good enough, that I will never be good enough, that I am not wanted, that I am not loved. And so we all talked about these lies we believe about ourselves, and we all wrote them down, and then we all hung them on a cross because Jesus has taken all of our sin and shame. But the problem with talking about lies and saying, yeah, this is a lie I believe about myself, is you need to replace it with truth. We didn't do that that night. That was for the next session in the morning. And so I am sitting there, and I am just feeling bombarded, attacked, so put down by the thoughts swirling around in my head and thinking, well, okay, those are the lies. Yep, wrote them all down. Now I know what they are. Cool. Because we want to tell ourselves these lies are true, because it's more comfortable, because it's better to sometimes put ourselves in a box and not believe what God says about it. We need to listen to him for truth. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. Ephesians 2.10 For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good work, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Psalm 139.14 I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Do you know that full well? 
that you are unique, handcrafted by a loving God. And that what other people say about you, or the lies you tell yourself, or when the enemy is whispering in your ear, that that is not true. Romans 8.1 Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are convicted, yes, of our pride, of our laziness, of our selfishness, but we are no longer condemned. We are no longer shamed and attacked because of the truth that God gives us. We need to listen to God for truth. And with truth comes accountability. And that was the wonderful thing about living in community there, is because there were these very mature Christians who were very good at understanding people. And one night, my friend Samuel, who's German, but spent the last year in Uganda speaking English, so he talks with a Ugandan accent, despite being a small, chubby, white German guy. It's hilarious. But he comes up to me one night, and he just says, Rome, you've been wearing a mask. It's about time to take it off and be real with us. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> okay, ouch. I began to realize that when I put that pride in front of me, when I just put up my walls to protect myself, well, no, I'm not good enough. I'm all that. I'm so great. We need to take that mask off and accept the truth that we are great because we are loved by God in our weaknesses, in our pride, and all that just makes us fall short. Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It exposes the innermost thoughts and desires of our heart. And so that night, after we'd gone over those lies, and I was so angry, I left the lecture hall. I was going back to the dorm. I didn't really have a plan. I was just mad. And so I storm out of there and realize I forgot my laptop. So I go back and I grab that. Oh, I'm angry now. Forgot my Bible. Okay. We're going back one more time. And now, I'm not a huge fan of the point-and-shoot method of the Bible. God, give me some truth. Boom. Okay, God's going to speak to us when we have a plan in the Bible. He knows what's coming. God's going to speak to us through others, through creation, through so many ways. But I come up to this Bible, and I say, God, I'm kind of done with you right now. Flip, flip, point. Why are you not listening? <laughs> and that was conviction, not condemnation. Because I didn't feel that shame. I felt, oh, that's right, that's right. Okay, you're right, God. I'm going to, I'm going to go talk with my friends and say, this is what's going on in here and in here. And, and I know that this is what God is saying about me, but it's so hard for me to believe that sometimes. And this comes into my testimony. We had to write a testimony when we were there. And I'd never written one before because I grew up in a Christian environment. I've never done drugs or sold drugs or looked at drugs or anything like that. And so I had to write a testimony and think, okay, God's changed me, I guess. And then it came to me. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That makes no sense. I don't want to be weak. I want people to love me and praise me and tell me how great I am. But when I recognize my own weakness and my own flaws and my own shortcomings, I am not good at a wide variety of things. I am not that smart as much as I would like to believe I am. And then somehow this God, this all-powerful creator, mystical being, says he loves me when I'm not good 
at so many things, when I say the wrong things all the time, when I don't show people love or even do just what the Bible says, is the bar that high? No, but I can't even meet it. Not even for one day. But his grace is sufficient for me and his power is made perfect in weakness. Perfect. And if I was strong, Christ's power would not rest on me. It doesn't make sense. We need to listen to God for guidance, for accountability, for truth. We need to listen to that voice that's telling us, like, it's okay not to be good enough. That's a lie you believe about yourself, that you aren't good enough, but even when you aren't, I say you are because I love you, and it's not because of anything you do or anything you earn. So we need to listen, okay? And as God listens, he doesn't just listen, he acts. We need to listen, we need to act. One of the easiest ways to do that is acting by prayer. Remember that? Don't put God in that box. Pray. Pray bigger. Pray for grander things than you could even imagine. Because why are we so afraid to pray sometimes? Oh, it won't come true. God won't do that. No. What do you have to lose? It's, it takes 10 seconds sometimes. And so, one of the things you need to understand about Romania is... It is a recovering communist country. It's been 30 years, but it is still so broken. It is shattered. And we see that when I was with that family and the parents were gone because they were working elsewhere to send money back. Everywhere there is generation after generation of broken families. The government taxes something like 50% of everything people make. It is brutal. And these people are constantly fearful, looking out for ways that their government or the world is coming back to communism. And something that we had to do while we were there is do a book report on this book called Tortured for Christ. It's about a guy who, get this, was tortured for Christ. And one of the things that he directed, because he was ransomed out of Romania, um, he was a Romanian pastor under the communist rule, and his direction for the, for the Western world that wasn't experiencing that persecution was pray for us, support us, keep us in your thoughts and prayers. It is our job because we live in a place that has so much freedom. We need to pray. We need to lift up our brothers and sisters who every day are being persecuted so badly. In our first week at Bible school, we had a prayer night. We walked in, and we would just kind of randomly go to three different tables, and we didn't know what was going on. And on each table was a different country. Somalia, Afghanistan, North Korea. These are the three most persecuted countries in the world. And we had to read about what Christians endure there the torture, the suffering, the loss. I sat at the North Korea table because I thought, well, I've heard of that country before. The other ones, uh. And we read through this sheet they've got us, and we just were taking time to pray every few sentences and realizing there are hundreds of thousands of Christians here in North Korea that are subjected to the most awful tortures for their faith. But they do it because that faith means something to them. And when we look back at this book, Torture for Christ, the man who, the author, Richard Wormbrand is his name, who talks about this, who talks about going to the prisons and finding just such love for believers, love for their persecutors, and how the torturers would then see the love that these tortured poor people had for them, and they would come to Christ and be thrown in prison and be tortured with the very ones they used to torture. Because the love of God changes us when we listen, when we hear that truth, we need to pray for those who are under so much persecution. 
even our spiritual leader at the center, at Torchbearers, at Tour de Fouclier, he was 15 when communism fell. The pastor of his church was taken away and tortured. The pastor who replaced him was taken away and tortured. This is very real all over the world. And to see that firsthand from this man who has experienced the suffering, not just from a book, although the book was incredible and amazing and eye-opening, but personally to see the suffering and the prayer that is our job to do. Ephesians 6, 18, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert, and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. 1 John 5, 14 through 15. I said this one earlier. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. And if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know we have what we've asked of Him. So we need to pray. James 1.22 says, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. This verse is very self-explanatory. It is our job to pray, and it is our job to obey. God has given us so many commands, like, love your neighbor as yourself, and love the Lord your God with all your heart. So many. And within that, we see all the different rules and whatnot in the Old Testament and how, and how that looks like applied. That's where the Ten Commandments come in, is that's how you love God and how you love others. And we have all these things. But love is what it boils down to. Because God wants the best for us. And His laws, His rules, they give life. They don't take it. God's laws don't put us in a box. They take us out of a box of our selfishness, of our sin, of our shame. Because with sin comes that shame. John 13, 35 by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And that was what was amazing to see and to read about was the love that these Christian communities had for each other under communism and at the center. Because they are doing life together every day. They are caring for the sick. They are praying and providing for the needy in that community. And so as Christians, we have a job to do. We must love one another. We must obey God. We must pray. We must love. And that brings us to another point I have here, 1 Corinthians 9, 16. For when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, since I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. This is the Apostle Paul talking to the church of Corinth. He had a calling to fulfill. You have a calling to fulfill. You have a job to do, wherever it may be, in whatever capacity it is. And I can't tell you what that is for you. I'm still trying to figure out what that is for me. But God has designed all of us with a purpose. We are his handiwork, created in him to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. So we have jobs to do. And so my last story today is attached to this verse. Ezekiel 3, 18 through 19. When I say to a wicked person, you will surely die, and you do not warn them, God is speaking to the prophet Ezekiel here, and you do not warn them or speak out to dissuade them from their evil ways in order to save their life, that wicked person will die for their sin, and I will hold you accountable for their blood. But if you do warn the wicked person and they do not turn from their wickedness or from their evil ways, they will die for their sin, but you will have saved yourself. God refers to Ezekiel as a watchman. And in ancient times, what this meant is it was your job to be on the city gate, to look out, and if you see an army coming, you alert the entire city. And if that army comes and everybody in the city just gets absolutely slaughtered, you did your job. 
you let them know. But if you see an army coming towards the city, you stand there, you don't ring a bell, you don't warn the soldiers or the people that they need to get to safety, they need to be ready to protect themselves. It is your fault that all of these people have suffered so much. Cultural encounter. It was that same rainy day, and we had half a loaf of bread left over from that night when we eat in this Lanina. And we came out in the morning, and there were other people eating our bread. So, a couple of us, Miriam, were not happy about that, and they were freaking out. But then a couple of us, Tom and me, were like, we came here to depend on God. I'm pretty sure this is going to work out just fine. And so we're walking around town looking for somewhere to go, someone to talk to. There's nobody out because it's raining, so we're starting to freak out a little bit. And we see an orange shop. Now, Orange is a telecommunications network in Romania. And we thought it was weird that there was an orange shop here because the town is tiny, little podunk nothing. And so I go on in, and sure enough, it's not an orange shop. Don't know why I said that outside. It is a magazine, which is a little market, a little grocery store. Perfect, they have food. So I go in there, I've got the phrase book. I'm like, okay, I'll just ask the woman speaking there if she speaks any of our languages. Vorbeste ingleza, Deutsch, sa espanol? No. New means no, for those of you out there. She doesn't speak our languages, and I walk back out. Sorry, guys, she doesn't speak them. And Miriam and Tom just look at me. You were supposed to go in and ask if we could work for food. Oh, yeah, I wasn't listening. So I march back in there with them by my sides, like bouncers, making sure I do my job this time. <laughs> and we ask, can we work for, for food? No. Can we trade? We don't know how to say trade, but we've got a can of tomato sauce. We're like, bread, puine, pentru. We didn't even know how to say this. So, uh, uh, uh. We're trying to like show it off, and she's just like, what? But she hears us say bread, and she grabs one down and puts it down. We're like, whoa, new oven bond. We don't have money. Uh, for us, pentru noi? Da? She grabs a sausage, puts it down, slides it towards us. Da? Okay, we're slightly amazed. I'm not used to getting something without giving something. It, do it doesn't make sense. And I've, what I learned is apparently that perception is a total cultural thing because as much as I was like, well, that doesn't make sense, the Germans were like, this can't happen. No. And then the Canadians were like, yeah, okay. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's pray for her, guys. So I ask, can we pray for you? No, 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 no. Whoa, whoa, okay, okay. So we head out. I'm like, guys, no. We can still pray for her out here. She doesn't even need to know, okay? All right, we're going we're gonna to do it. Amen? And so we pray. We finish, we look up. She's standing right behind us. <laughs> Good thing she doesn't speak English. And she's holding a giant salami. Hands that to us as well. At this point, I am feeling convicted. We are there we have these New Testaments. We are there to spread God's love, despite a language barrier, despite a cultural barrier. And at this point, I know I have to do something. I don't have much to give her back. I only have the truth and eternal life. Not a bad trade for some bread. And so I grab this, and I say, guys, I'll, I'm just going to go in. I'll set it down. I'll just back away. Okay, so I storm up there. Pardon, Jesus te best, o zibuna. Pardon me. Jesus loves you. Have a good day.
I butchered how to say Jesus loves you. And I think when I did that, is the same moment she got this little half smile on her face. Like it was cute that I was trying to speak Romanian. And she explodes into Romanian, and I am standing there like, I have no idea what you're saying. I don't understand. Except for one word that I do pick out. Cafea? That means coffee. I know what that means, and I say, duh. And then she's holding up these fingers, and I'm like, oh, this is my chance. I learned numbers one through ten in Romanian. Cinci te rog. And so I head back out. Everybody else is standing in the rain. Rome, what is taking you so long? All you had to do was drop off a Bible. Okay? Hey, you guys want some coffee? Because God provides, and he provides beyond what you want. Okay? He provides without you asking. So we go in. She takes money out of the cash register herself and puts that in a machine to get coffee for us gives it to us. Another customer comes in. We finish our coffee. We're getting ready to leave. And I look over to her, and she's holding up the Bible. Huge smile on her face. She puts it with her purse. It's not my job to save the world. It is my job to be a watchman. To say, this is the truth, and I'm offering it to you. Whether you take it or not is up to you. And that's all I can do. When all I have is a pencil, God will do the rest. God brings a house. So God listens to us. He speaks to us. He acts. He provides. And when we listen, we need to listen for guidance. We need to listen for accountability. We need to listen to his voice. Not our own. Not other people. Not the enemy who whispers lies and tells us that we're not good enough. We need to listen to him. And when we listen, like I experienced when I had those cramps, is I am given peace. You are given peace. Listen to God. Take time to just be, to be still. And then act, obey, love. Spread the knowledge that an army is coming. And God's already done all the work to save you. He already died on the cross. You just have to take the hand he's extending to you. And I find it amazing that I came here today and I didn't know what the worship set list would be. But when they did that hymn, it brought me back to Romania. Especially because of the line, I hear the rolling thunder. And God's voice in the Bible so often is described as thunder. I'm reading through Psalms right now and that comes up so often. Your voice is thunderous. I cannot escape from it. And we stayed in the Carpathian Mountains and it storms there a lot. And living here, when I hear thunder, I think, okay, it's like a loud airplane, all right, big deal. But there, when it thunders, it echoes off the mountains, and it bounces everywhere, and the entire ground shakes. And I would be woken up in the middle of the night by the entire world shaking and exploding with sound. I even slept out on the deck one night, and then a storm hit. It was terrifying, but it was awesome. Because God is so rich in glory and power. And he still listens to us. He still provides. It doesn't make sense. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I glory in my weaknesses. Because that's when Christ's power may rest on me. When I look to his plans, not my own. When I listen and when I follow. When you listen and when you follow. Life is better than you could ever imagine. So let me close in prayer today.
Jesus, thank you for this opportunity to talk about you, your goodness, your greatness, how great thou art. I am amazed by the ways that you have provided for me in these last three months. How you have opened my eyes and taken what I thought I knew about you in my head, but into my heart, God, to understand and to know you better. And to think, as one of those girls on the cultural encounter did after you provided for us, to think, God, how could I ever doubt when you are so great, when you are always speaking to me, when you are always providing for me, and I, already, I don't even see it because I spend so much of my life not depending on you. I can do it on my own. God, that is so wrong. And I am so weak, and you are so great. And thank you that you speak to me. And thank you for empowering me and helping me learn to listen to you and to lead me on those paths, God. Thank you for this day. Thank you for these people that I got to speak with. Help them to apply this, to become listeners to you, and to spread your love. In your name, Jesus.